Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to your second GCSE Revision your Pod third. of the day. Oh, second of the day, sorry, third <laughs> in total. Jumping all over my intro there, sir, but oh, that's sorry. that's fine, that's fine, I don't mind. you elementary <laughs> So, today we are addressing the second answer to the same question it's something we've not done before so why on earth are we exploring the same question twice yeah the point i think we want to get across is that actually the most important element of the poetry essay is that it's a comparison and i want to get away from this idea that some of my students have that only certain poems go together right and so i actually wanted to demonstrate that we could pick a different poem from the one we picked in the last podcast and still present a really interesting essay so just to be clear we're looking at exactly the same question as we did in the last podcast yet today we are going to compare it to a completely different poem and write a completely different essay, but we're answering the same question. Uh, but this one is the one that I chose. So this is the one Mr Forster's designed. You know, we'd, uh, we're, we're not competitive, but we would like to hear who you think is better, wouldn't we, sir? <laughs> Who won? Yeah. So the question, just um, in case you haven't listened to the one already or in case you're, you're going to listen to it later on, the question is this. Compare the ways the poets present the after-effects of conflict in Kamikaze and one of the poem from Power and Conflict. Now, you'll remember from the last podcast that we um, quite brilliantly compared it to... Um, the uh, the other poem, which I've forgotten. What did we compare it to in the last one? War photographer. War photographer. I can't even remember my own idea. But today, sir, which one are you going to be comparing it to? Um, I've chosen poppies. Okay, that's interesting. So, the reason I've done this, um, well, I'll start. I'll, I'll start kind of with a bit of uh, a bit of discussion of how we write this essay. So, of course, a reminder that to write a good poetry essay, we need to have comparison at the heart of it. So, I like to start with a comparative um, thesis. Uh, so a, a, an introduction that sets up my overall arguments about what they're both showing about the after effects of conflict, how are they similar and how are they different. And then we probably have time for about three main comparative paragraphs, each one focusing on different language and structural points that compare um, looking at this theme. And it's that comparison running through the whole essay, which is so important. And that's why writing, spending a bit more time writing mm. a good introduction. I think sometimes students feel like the introduction is just that you just got to power through the introduction, yeah. get it down and get into it. But actually spending a bit more time writing a really good introduction I think sets you up to write a better essay yes well because I think a precise introduction is key right so let's let's talk about what I do here then so for my introduction I'd say something about kamikaze and poppies and the comparison between them so both poppies by Jane Weir and Beatrice Garland's kamikaze portray the damaging after effects of conflict so that's the, that's the question of course right but let's be more specific this is the after effects of conflict not just on soldiers themselves but on their families also. Right, that's why you've chosen these two, because we don't just see what happened in the war 
and its effects on the soldier, but also what they brought home and how that affected the people around them. Yes, and yet I still would want to set up in this thesis the idea of their differences, because whilst Kamikaze centres on the ramifications of a Japanese pilot's decision to turn back from a suicide mission in World War II, exploring his family's subsequent sense of shame and dishonour, Poppies instead depicts the despairing love of a mother for a son who has presumably fallen in war. So that's interesting. So straight away we have a key difference in the sense that we've got one soldier who returned home and one soldier who didn't. And yet one soldier who returned home and who is forgotten by his family, who is disregarded, mm. and a son whose mother cannot get over this moment of him leaving. Would ostracised be a good word? That would be a fantastic word to bring into mm. our key vocab yeah. for today. I, what does I, it mean, please, Mr. Gallant? So when you're kind of cut off, right? When you're sort of demonised yeah. and cut off from society? Yeah, so the ostr- the, how the, the Japanese part is ostracised because of... Um, this dishonourable decision that he made. Fantastic. So that that takes us into already. I'm thinking you're definitely going to do a better podcast than me, but I don't mind. We're here for the students, sir. That's what's most important. Now, where are we going first of all? Then. So I think the most. Let's start with the, perhaps the most obvious comparison, because both poems poignantly. So that means um, quite movingly. Okay. Um, engage with how war separates families from those that they love. I like it. So where are you looking? Are you starting with poppies? Yeah, I think really easy. Let's start by looking at the title. Sometimes when looking at a poem the title can contain quite a lot Mm -hmm. um so the title poppies it's an incredibly powerful symbol of um of warfare in the 20th century um which a bit of an ao3 point it kind of gains from the famous poem in flanders fields by by john mccray okay so consequently by calling this poem poppies it immediately summons up this idea of remembrance Mm -hmm. this is going to be a poem about remembrance someone who uh, someone who was lost someone who did not come back indeed And the poem is also in the first stanza. It's placed precisely three days before Armistice Sunday. Mm -hmm. So although the first stanza is quite... This is quite a difficult poem to understand initially, perhaps. There's quite a lot of ambiguity. But in the first stanza, it sets up this idea about remembrance. This being a poem about remembrance. Because even Armistice Sunday itself, that's not the normal thing that it's called. It's normally called Remembrance Sunday or Armistice Day. And you think it's key that the poem doesn't refer to it as Remembrance Sunday? Yeah, I think because it calls up, um, through the through the rhetorical figure of Lytotes, which is deliberately um, stating something by, by not stating it, okay. um, is it, it kind of makes us think this is a poem about remembrance because the poppy is of course an incredibly potent symbol of remembrance mm-hmm. um, this sets up this what this poem is about I think okay. and I think this is quite interesting because of course in the context of the poem as a whole there is no explicit mention of where the sun has gone in fact the imagery is quite childlike and would almost suggest that he's going off to school rather than going off to war right. and yet this opening stanza sets up this kind of perhaps darker interpretation this is a poem not about a child disappearing off to school but perhaps going off to fight and ultimately it's a poem about a mother trying to make sense of uh, of all of this and how how torn apart she's been by losing her her son in this way definitely and you could bring in an a3 point here again that could just the idea that actually this is a war poem specifically could ties in the fact it was first published by the guardian in, the, in 2009 in a collection that was about the afghanistan and iraq conflict so very much written in the mood of a conflict that um a lot of people didn't see that we should have got involved in and a lot of people considered an incredible waste of life yeah and i think in that context the the symbolism of the poppies that the poem begins with sets up a real kind of poignant power this is a poem about a loss a poem about remembrance right okay and 
at that point, I suppose, you would then move over to kamikaze. Now, how are you going to contrast the idea of loss that you've just summed up through with the uh, with the imagery of the poppies and the, the ideas of the boy going off to school and the mother's loss? How are you going to contrast that with kamikaze? Well, I think we need to straight away contrast them. That, obviously, in, unlike the unconditional love for the mother for her lost son in poppies, um, there is this ambivalence in the daughter's attitude towards her father. What do you mean by ambivalence? So it's a wonderful word, and it means having mixed feelings. Okay. The idea it's not simple, it's, it's more complex. So we see her ambivalence towards her father's decision not to complete his suicide attack. Um, um, but the ambivalence I think we, we see in this poem is that she, is, she at once clearly misses him and is not happy. There is a sense of regret in this poem that she ostracised her father. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, she, she, like her mother, refused to speak to him again when he came back. Right, so even perhaps, even she felt sad about losing contact with her father and not being able to treat him as her dad anymore, she did go through with it. Yeah. She so, too treated yeah. him like a ghost. So, so unlike Poppies, Garden explores the emotional distance between father and son. Right, and, and, father and, and daughter. Father and daughter, sorry. And, and this is important even to the, ex- um, even to the extent that um, we never hear the father's voice. So a, a kind of a structural point we can analyse is how um, Garland bookends the poem, a great metaphor to describe she kind of begins and ends it, with these modal verbs of speculation or deduction. So a modal verb is a, a, a verb that transforms another verb as to, ha- um, to tell us how likely something is mm-hmm. to have happened. Okay. Um, so he might have done something, he would have done something, he could have done something. Those are the modal verbs. And if we look... Could well, there's, there's, there's more, of, of course. But if we look at line nine, she says, he must have looked far down at the little fishing boat. So she never actually heard that from him directly. Everything's coming through it. this two degrees of separation yeah. where she imagines what her father says. She's never heard herself what her father says. And right at the end of the poem, she says, he must have wondered which had been the better way to die. Mm. So these modal verbs of speculation or deduction emphasise this sense of her separation, the sense that she never heard his side of the story. She never heard about his experiences. Mm. She never listened so the sense of loss, therefore, is quite different from the mother in poppies. There's a sense that actually this is an emotional loss mm. uh, ra- rather than simply kind of the physical loss that the mother seems to have suffered in poppies. Right, it's interesting, isn't it? It's the sense that the almost it was worse to lose the honour of the family than it was to lose the father himself, which is it's strange to imagine the mother speaker in poppies hearing that idea because for her she would have given anything to have her son back, whereas this family in Kamikaze, they did get their father back, and yet they treated him as yeah. if he'd never come back. And, and, and yet, crucially, that these modal verbs, the fact that she's writing, that, that she's speaking to the implied um, narrator of this poem, that, uh-huh. she's telling, that she's imagining this, implies a sense of regret. Yeah, a sense, uh, a sense that it could have been different, but now, of course, it seems too late for all of that now. Okay. So that's the first. That's the first paragraph you're writing. You're talking yeah. about how. So comparing the symbolism of the poppy in poppies and mm-hmm. how this conjures up this notion of remembrance. Comparing that with the 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 idea that actually she she can't remember what her father told her in kamikaze, in kamikaze because he because she never asked because but, because mm-hmm. they ostracised him and therefore it's a poem about regretting that she doesn't have this this thing to remember. But crucially, both of them talking about ways in which war separates families from Definitely. their loved ones, even though they are different, different ways. ways. It's that separation that you're using to draw the two together. Yeah. I like it. Fantastic. This, this leads nicely into the second paragraph, which is the way in which conflict separates families um, is further emphasised in the descriptions of actually what the families have lost. So then you're going to go into what the... You, you've talked about the... The feeling. The feeling of loss itself, and now you're going into what they've actually lost. Yeah, what have they actually lost. So okay. if we started with Kamikaze, we could look at the juxtaposition between 
the daughter's relationship with her father and his own relationship with his father explored in the fourth and fifth stanzas mm-hmm. so she explores um, she, she imagines him waiting for his father her grandfather um, waiting on the shore for his boat to return so, okay. we, so we presume he's a fisherman yeah and if we look at kind of the, the beauty in the description here, in the literature of pairs and the metaphors that, you know, they waited for him to come safe, um, where is it, safe to the shore, that he's salt sodden, that mm. he brings with him cloud marked mackerel. So there's all this imagery around the sea, but it's quite beautiful. Yeah. There's a sort of sibilance in there, perhaps yeah. representing the soft sound of the and, waves. And the beautiful metaphor describing the mackerel being cloud marked, mm. they seem to represent some kind of freedom or, or, or certainly beauty here. Right. Um, and this, the juxtaposition between all of that beautiful imagery. And then the stark declarative sentences depicting the response of the family to his return. So this is what war did, right? Yeah. War came along and where he, where the, the kamikaze pilot, when he was a young boy, he was allowed to excitedly wait for his father to come home and enjoy the beauty of that moment. The daughter, because of war, was not allowed to be excited yeah. about her own dad coming so, home. So instead she says, my mother never spoke again in his presence, nor did she meet his eyes. She didn't even meet his eyes. Yeah, so... This juxtaposition is very poignant in the poem, of course, because it shows what she's lost. This uh, relationship has been totally destroyed by co- by, by the effects away from of her conflict. By war. Now, I just realised we talked all through that, and it was uh, I think it was a great point, but we didn't clarify exactly what juxtaposition means. Ah, so juxtaposition is, is when a, a writer or an artist or anything deliberately contrasts two things. So Puts two things next to each other to show the, the to show the difference. Them. Yeah. Excellent. Right, going on to poppies. Yeah, so poppies. I think we could we could actually contrast with with the imagery used in poppies mm-hmm. because we likewise see a speaker who clearly has very complicated feelings about her son, um, and we see this in in some of the imagery. So we see her maternal actions first of all early on the poem. She she smooths her son's upturned collar. She mm-hmm. she, she remembers waiting to Eskimo kiss him as, as she waited for him to leave. That's she, when you rub noses yeah. with someone, right? She remembers wanting to run my fingers through the gelled blackthorns of his hair. Mm-hmm. So all of these actions that she remembers at their moment of parting, they don't necessarily seem the kind of things you do to an adult son going off to war. Right. Instead, there seems this confusion of remembering perhaps him as a child, remembering him going off to school. Yeah. But in any case, what it kind of symbolises here, the, the imagery here, is, is what she's lost. Okay. The sense of her son's innocence, the sense of this boy that yep. has gone off to war. And also, is there a bit of slight foreshadowing in the sense that the gelled... So she presumably he had like a sort of spiky gelled haircut, but she imagines it as blackthorns, which are these kind of sharp, aggressive thorns you'd find on a blackberry bush or something like yeah. that. Yeah, there is something kind of foreshadowing about this, perhaps. About, yeah. about, the, uh, about the sense that there's something... There is loss coming, there's danger, there's yeah. darkness, there's, uh, there's all of these things. And what about then the symbolism of the uh, releasing the songbird? Would you go into that? Yeah, I mean, so let's not necessarily take this on a literal level, because if a mother, the first thing I did when I left home is when I'm going to release my budgie into the, the park, I'd be a bit annoyed. I think we need to take this more as yeah. a metaphor. <laughs> so when her son's left home, she remembers releasing a songbird from its cage, and then she describes going up to the wall mural at the top of the hill mm. and leaning like a wishbone. Okay. So, so both of these images are quite interesting. So first of all, if, if we take the, the releasing a songbird from its cage as, as a metaphor, there's the suggestion of, 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 of her letting her son leave being an act of giving him freedom, giving okay. him power, giving him agency. And yet, come, coming with it is this sense of loss. So I think we see this when she goes to the War Memorial. First of all, her decision to go to the War Memorial, it seems quite apt. It okay. seems to show her fears, her worries that she will be a mother remembering the loss of her son. Yeah. Um, and the simile describing a wishbone, of course, literally describes what she looks like leaning on the war memorial. Because mm-hmm. a wishbone is that bit of the, the chicken that you kind of 
break apart and to and make a wish. Whoever has the whoever biggest, has the, the biggest bit bits. to make the so, wish. Yeah. So literally, it's a simple, a, a literal description of how she's leaning against the war memorial. Mm-hmm. But metaphorically, there's a suggestion here of, of a wish, of wanting it to be different, like the like the daughter in Kamikaze. There's a sense of wishing it had been different. Okay. But in this case, is wishing that her son hadn't gone, rather than wishing about her own emotional response to it. I think I see it. So the compare the comparison here in terms of what has been lost is then also joined with um this wistful sort of, sense of... yeah the the wishing the wishing things could be different kind of connects the way things are lost much more more directly in poppies perhaps yes definitely slightly, more directly so it's only really implied in kamikaze mm-hmm. in that juxtaposition between um her experience with her father and her father's experience with it with her grandfather it's obviously far more explicit in kamikaze in, in in poppies that's interesting so we've had our first two par- we've had our intro we've had our first two paragraphs that would move us on to paragraph three. Where would you where would you take it now? Yeah, I think the main difference between the two poems is how the damaging effects of conflict in poppies arise from a physical separation between mother and son, whilst in kamikaze they come from the privileging of honour and patriotism over family relationships. Okay, physical separation versus what society can tell you you must do. Which then separates you. Okay. So so if we start with kamikaze, mm-hmm. um, I think we need to talk about perhaps the perhaps the most important structural point in the poem, where um, the third person speaker shifts into the italics of the daughter herself in the second to last stanza. Mm-hmm. So, unlike the poetic and beautiful description of her father's fa- final flight that she imagines, the language here in the first person is defined by a series of tragic similes that emphasise the importance of honour, or bushido in Japanese culture. Right. Um, She talks about how the neighbours treated him as though he no longer existed, Mm -hmm. how his children learned to live as though he had never returned, and was no longer the father they love. Right. So we could talk about the verb learned here. Yeah. Because what does that imply? Well, I suppose what it suggests is this idea that she... It was quite an unnatural thing for a daughter to turn her back on her father, because to a young girl... How could the young girl see that her dad coming back from a from a fight was a bad thing? Obviously, society was what deemed that a bad thing. He was supposed to, once he'd fired all of his bullets, society said he was supposed to bravely fly his plane into the ship, killing himself and attempting to sink it. But for the girl, she's just going to be happy that her dad has come home. So for her, she actually has to learn this process of ignoring him and treating him like he's not really there. I think what this shows, therefore, is the power that patriotism and cultural conceptions of honour can have over right. an individual. That even a girl's, even the natural love of a daughter for her father, can, you can learn to forget it. You can learn to disregard him. You can learn to, as these similes suggest, treat him as though he was no longer the father they it love. It can be overpowered by conflict, basically. Even the most important things in life, you could argue, like the love of a family, can be overpowered by conflict. Yeah, so I think it's showing kind of the poisonous effect of conflict that actually right. it can it can break apart families in more ways than just kind of losing your father um, uh, it to, to kind of war. Yeah, I suppose in a sense in poppies it's a more traditional sense of loss, isn't it? In poppies yeah. it's the kind of um, more more normal loss that people associate with war and in kamikaze it's perhaps just to, well s- certainly also very sad but more more complicated in why it has to happen yeah and i think if we move on to poppies now to, con- to con- contrast it there um the imagery still creates a sense of separation but there's none of the ambivalence that we see in the daughter in 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 kamikaze mm-hmm. so and yet there is a comparison here she like um the daughter is silent as her son leaves okay 
But this silence comes not from the cultural constraints of honour um, imposed upon the daughter in Kamikaze. The silence instead comes from the confusion of her feelings. So she says, for example, um, Weir notes how all my words flattened, rolled, turned into felt, slowly melting. So the metaphor here, running over these enjambed lines... Mm-hmm. So enjambment is when there's no punctuation at the end of the line. So running over when these the enjambed... sentence runs over two yeah. different lines in the poem. But this suggests her inability to articulate her grief. The idea that... So that this, this comparison of her thought process being like making felt, this process that involves mixing together, um, you know... Uh, it, it implies this confusion... The pro- so, so like the process of making felt, her thoughts have become confused, they become mixed together. She doesn't know what to say anymore. She doesn't know what to think, and there's an element of sort of wanting to sort of control things in a motherly way, I suppose, isn't there? There's, there's a lot of imagery to do with, um, with sewing, you know, and yeah. the repairing of clothes, which is something that stereotypically a mother would do with her son, and yet... You get the feeling that that motherly role is slipping away, that he's yeah. all proud. He's going off into the army feeling, oh, I'm, I'm going to do anything, I'm going to take on the world, you know, whereas she is feeling this deep, deep sense of loss in her motherly role and her inability to protect her son anymore. And we see this in the juxtaposition of imagery in the poem. So running through the poem are two semantic fields. So a semantic field are groups of words joined on the, on the same topic. I think we t- touched upon it already um, in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So the first semantic field is, as you said, around textiles, around clothing, around sewing so we hear you have the mention of the lapel the bias binding of his blazer shirts the felt that she talks about tucks darts pleats she talks about a stitch an ornamental stitch in the sky so all of these uh, suggest this domestic world mm-hmm. this um, this world of this maternal world that she would love to hold on she to she would love to hold on to but opposed to this is is a semantic field of battle, injury and conflict. Armistice Sunday, war graves, spasms, blockade, bandaged, rounded up, steeled, grazed, brave, reinforcements. Yeah. So this separation, this semantic separation, seems to highlight the physical separation of, of, of mother and daughter. She wishes for this domestic world that no longer exists. It's been replaced by a world of violence. So a nice way to sum up that last paragraph as kind of a mini little concluding sentence, I suppose, would be that what conflict does in its after effects is it robs families of their roles it robs people of the um the role that they have within a family whether that be a daughter just wanting to love and have a father or whether that be a mother just wanting to be a mother seemingly conflict has taken that away from them right yeah and to kind of come back to our thesis as we'd like to conclude so this is our concluding paragraph yeah, now you're on to it's uh you know we're in get both poets are therefore engaging with um actually how the after effects of conflict are to totally rip apart the most powerful of human relationships yes that conflict is greater somehow greater than love and all these amazing things about humanity and family are vulnerable when conflict is involved and can be lost whether that be by death whether that be around cultural expectations of war and bravery and all these things conflict can destroy Family seems to be what we've learned. Yeah, a pretty depressing conclusion to make. A really depressing note to end on. Um, Right, thank you very much for joining us today. Remember, as ever, we've been getting loads of emails, so thank you all for getting in touch. We will try and get round to everything. We're currently thinking we'll work our way through several more of these power and conflict ones so we can hopefully build up um, a podcast where we talk about one uh, each poem at least once, sir. Yeah, hopefully over the next few weeks. Over the next couple of weeks. And then if they do want to get in touch, where would they do that? Um, they can they can email us at englishrevisionpod at gmail.com. 
Fantastic. And remember, get in touch. Let us know. Was this one your favourite? Did you prefer the uh, podcast where we compared poppies? Or, much more sensibly, did you prefer the one where we compared war photographer? Let or, us know. Or more importantly, um, I hope you realised that actually you could pick either. That's what's important about this, really, isn't it? The <laughs> idea that it's not to do with competition. It's not to do with who's better. It is to do with the idea that you need to have a range of options in your head for each poem. And that's hopefully what we've showed you over these last two podcasts. Uh, thank you very much. And we hope to see you next time on GCSE English Revision Pod.